Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'd like to introduce today's guest, Tanya Brown. Tanya, welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Hello. Now, your claim to fame, or your latest claim to fame, is you are the first lady secretary of the Vintage Sports Car Club. I mean, how come you're the first one, and what does it feel like to be in what at times tends to be a very male-dominated pastime, the wonderful world of vintage cars? The wonderful world of vintage cars indeed. Um, Most sport is quite a male-dominated environment, it's true. But the Vintage Sports Car Club in particular has always had a very, very strong element of women involved with it. I mean, I grew up marshalling for the club. My grandmother was a marshal and I took an awful lot from her as my role model. We've had an awful lot of wonderful women work in the club. Many people will know Gillian Carr, who's gone on to do wonderful things. Uh, But we've never quite had a female secretary before. Uh, And it all happened on a, a little bit of a joking conversation with our current president, Paul Tunnicliffe, when the job advertisement came up. And I jokingly said to him as we were getting towards final interviews, well, you've got my phone number if it doesn't work out. And he told me to actually think about it and if I wanted to do it, hurry up and and decide. And I did decide. I went through the interview with Paul and amazingly, he offered me the job. And then coronavirus happened. It wasn't exactly the ideal start, was it? (laughs) I mean, what exactly is the secretary's job? Because, I mean, the VSCC is, it's a big organisation. It's a massive organisation. I mean, we are, we're, just under 6,000 members these days, all of whom are completely passionate about it. The the job has traditionally, in recent years, been a club secretary and chief executive officer. Our members have never liked that very formal business type thing, so I've gone back to just being a good old club secretary, and that, that's a tradition that goes back to the 30s when the club was first formed. Essentially... I do everything no one else does. So, (laughs) and with the current situation, that really is true. Um, If the toilets need cleaning and there's no one else to do it, that falls on my table. But so does talking to our wonderful principal associates. So, you know, it might be a phone call with Bonhams one day. It might be a phone call with Haggerty. It might be talking to you, which is almost as much fun as well. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, our our mutual friend Tom Hardman, who was a guest on the show a few weeks ago. Absolutely, Tom, another one of our lovely principal associates, Tom, who I've known for a very long time and has quite happily rung me on a number of occasions to inform me of his opinion of what the club should be doing. Um, (laughs) But he's not the only member who's more than happy to do that. We have a good 6,000 opinions in the club. They're all slightly different, and I don't think any of them are afraid of telling you what it is. But that, that to me, is one of the real joys of the Vintage Sports Car Club, the true passion that everybody holds. Even people that aren't club members, you know, they they remember seeing vintage cars when they've been somewhere and it just is held in such high regard by so many people. But the members themselves, they are so passionate and it's just, it's actually an honour to be able to work with people who care so deeply about the club. Now, I mean, the interesting thing is it was formed in 1934 to promote the pastime of motoring uh, and quote and 
without being rude, this statement always now amuses me, to promote the pastime of motoring for the not-so-rich. I mean, I don't know if you've gone and tried to buy a vintage car of late, but I'm afraid the not-so-rich don't really qualify for it anymore. Sometimes, sometimes. I mean, yes, it was very much back in those days. It was a you know a group that got together and, and wanted to do that, and we've we've had the reputation over time and with increasing car values that it is seen as a pastime of rich old men, to be frank. Um, but you can still pick up vintage cars for not bad money. We recently bought a, a light car eligible Austin saloon for my 12-year-old daughter. As her savings weren't making a great deal of interest, it seemed to be something that was a bit more fun than leaving it in the bank. Um, and, and not just have... putting in, there's every chance the car could actually increase in value where your bank account won't. Yeah, exactly. And we, we have two Austins in the family brilliantly accessible motorsport even for the not so rich we have a fabulous um fabulously strong youth element in our club and a lot of them have, have bought austin seven some of them ready running some of them not they've done them up and they're out using them all the time so yes we do have the bentleys and we do have the 3098s and we do have the old maserati and alphas that are very expensive machinery but we also have an awful lot of people with you know rideys which still can be quite expensive and but the austins and there there are accessible ways into it even if you think of it as being as i said rich old men um actually quite a lot of us spend all of our money on the cars so we're we're asset rich and very cash poor (laughs) (laughs) i mean this harks back to the time when uh i mean you could buy like a genuine W.O. Bentley, it was like a hundred quid because nobody wanted them. Uh, like, what, back in the 50s and 60s, nobody wanted them. So these cars have gone from virtual scrap value to multimillionaire value now, haven't they? I mean, that's the irony of it all. It is, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's quite a few of our members where the cars have been handed down through the generations, so they're by no stretch millionaires themselves. They're just in a very lucky position that grandfather or great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather actually saw worth in something and bought it when it was cheap, and it just so happens now to be worth, you know, quarter of a million pounds, half a million pounds, and, and north in some cases. But the interesting thing is, irrespective of the model of car or the make of car or at times the condition of the car vintage sports car club members go out and use them they aren't trailer queens aren't these cars they aren't what i call turtle wax specials at car shows they actually go out and do things with them Oh yeah, I mean we we absolutely most of our members absolutely love using their cars. Of course, there are some that they are their pride and joy, and they're polished, and they take them to the local fete and show them off. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. But there are an awful lot of our cars that some would say are abused. Uh, we <laughs> use them regularly i mean our our austin gets used for the school run it gets used to run up to the shop to get the paper i commute to work in it occasionally and then come october time we'll decide that what we want to do for fun is do a trial and drive it up a nice muddy hill in the middle of wales get it absolutely covered in mud and you drive back home and you go through one of the cities and people are looking at you thinking what on earth have you been doing (laughs) 
and you have the biggest plaster smiled on, smile plastered on your face because you've actually just gone out and really enjoyed it. Um, and that's the secret to the club. It's about using and enjoying the cars as well. And for those that don't own them, showing off to them being used. You know, you can go to Silverstone Paddock, for example, and if you go for the Grand Prix, you can't get anywhere near the drivers. This is very expensive machinery in some cases, as I said, not all. Where actually, at one of our normal race meetings, you can walk up to the driver in the paddock, you can have a chat with him about what's under the engine, or her in the case of some of our fabulous lady racers, and in some cases, they'll let you sit in the car as well. There's no one that's that's precious about this machinery. It's about sharing our passion with everybody and if that means that we're going to be slightly mad and hair them round on a racetrack or drive them up a muddy hill or even the slightly more sedate tours and rallies that we do it's all about finding a way of having fun I mean the other thing is it's like talking about Austin 7s and cars similar back in those days the cars were were in their own way very very simple cars I mean to re- to go back to our mutual friend Tom Hardman I was in the showrooms a few weeks ago and he changed the cylinder head gasket on a vintage car and it took him 30 minutes. And he didn't really need that many tools. Uh, He needed a couple of plasters afterwards, but um, (laughs) that is how quick these cars are to work on. There's no engine covers, there's no massive wires, there's no nothing. They're just, there's a little engine, it comes straight in bits, do what you want, put it back together. And I've seen this personally at vintage events. A car will, something will happen to a car, or it needs such and such a thing doing to it. Within 20, 30 minutes, this, what is a major job on a modern car, has been completed and the car's back out there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had... We've had a driver at Cadwell, I think it was last year, who had a, uh, I think it was some of the wiring in the car caught fire, pulled over during his practice session, put out by fire extinguisher, recovered to the paddock. Six or eight drivers descend on it for 20 minutes and it's all patched up, rewired, ready to go. Um, No computers, which is absolutely brilliant. Fabulous for kids that are interested in engineering um, because you can... You can actually work out what does what. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I, if I open the, the bonnet on my Golf, for example, I've got no clue what anything under there does other than where to put the oil and the water. When you, and it's, it's real proper machinery. You can tell what it is and you can do things to it. And it's it's wonderful. I mean, that's, that's the appeal for a lot of people as well, is you can actually just get your hands on and you can fix it. You don't need to take it and plug it into a laptop to work out that you buy buy something or other that isn't working and you need to pay £300 to replace it. A bit of gaffer tape and a bit of WD-40 and we're normally all right. And you're normally up and running. (laughs) And that's the great thing about it. The other thing is, as well, you said, like, if you have a problem with a vintage car, uh, you're not on your... If you're at a vintage meeting, be it VSCC or, or not, if it's a meeting for vintage cars, you're never on your own because somebody somewhere, if you haven't got the bit you need will have the bit you need or know how to cobble together something that will make the bit you need. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all sort of muck in. It's a, it's a wonderful fraternity from that point of view. I mean, we've had we've had accusations in the past of being a very secret car club because we're not very good at telling people what we do occasionally. <laughs> and you, you do get this image of you know the rich old guys doing this, that, and the other, and being a bit snobbish. But actually, at the heart of it, it really is people that just love cars, and they don't care who you are, where you come from. If you like a bit of machinery brilliant and just anyone who has a problem in the paddock absolutely or on the roadside anyone will stop and muck in and i remember uh, miss backfire one of our specials at loton park had had a problem and during practice on the saturday so saturday evening there's three people with iphones with torches on lighting it up there's another three of them around the car trying to fix whatever the problem was and one person going backwards and forwards to the bar for the beer i mean what more do you need really? <laughs> <laughs> it's just that atmosphere of everyone absolutely mucking in together i mean it, i don't think a race meeting and we haven't put some call out on the tannoy for a bit of something that's missing from someone's car. And we never, never have I known an event where it hasn't been sorted. Someone has either had the piece there or they've cobbled something together or oh, my workshop's only three miles down the road. I'll nip and get you something. Don't worry about paying me for it. No, just put it in the car. We'll swap it over in three years' time when we remember that we did it this weekend and I want it back. <laughs> but it's just such a wonderful way to go about life, isn't it, really? Just actually all helping each other and making sure none of this... You know, there's good, healthy competition on track, but we want to have competition against each other. So we don't leave someone struggling. We get them sorted and we get them out. Now, the one thing is, like you mentioned, your modern golf. You look at a, a lot of modern cars, and uh, normally I test drive a lot of modern cars, and at times, especially the, uh, the the dreaded SUV, you sit behind the wheel and you have to look at the badge on the wheel, steering wheel, to work out what you might be sat in. <laughs> the one thing with vintage cars is they are all different, and they all, from the largest to the smallest, have presence. There's something about them. I mean, I'll, be, I'll hold my hand up and say, when you stood next to a genuine four-and-a-half Bloy Bentley or a Bugatti Royale or an Alfa Romeo, these cars have serious presence about them. Oh, they have absolutely brilliant presence. But it's not just, you know, by mark either. Each vehicle just tends to have something about it. I mean, that's probably why so many of them have got nicknames that we know them all by as well. Because nearly every car, uh, that's, that's certainly the ones that are competed regularly, have a nickname. And it's just because they do, they almost have their own personality regardless. They're just such wonderful things. And they do have such presence. I mean, when you stand next to one and the engine's not running, it's never quite the same. You have to have the smell as well as the sight of a vintage car. And the one thing is, I mean, <laughs> talking about vintage cars, I hear this description on television by some of these uh, people doing voiceovers. They're out in their vintage MGB, and I scream at the television. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for people who don't know, I mean... What constitutes a veteran car, a vintage car, then there's the post-vintage thoroughbreds, and on and on it goes, but they all fall <laughs> in. Because 
if you have, I mean, like the little MGTC, the MG Midgets, they were built over a period of time where some are vintage cars and some are not vintage cars because of their year of build. How does it, how do they all fall into their categories? Uh, well, the categories are technically at the moment defined by the Motorsports uh, UK, the governing body, although they have used our definition as their definition, which is quite useful for us. Um, so veteran cars are strictly before 1905. Uh, you then move on to Edwardian cars, which from memory are 1916 and previous. And then you move on to vintage cars, which are pre the 31st of December 1930. Um, originally, vintage when the when the Vintage Sports Car Club was set up, they never intended there to be a cut-off date for cars that qualified as vintage, and it was going to be a rolling date. But they changed that in 1936, I think it was, a couple of years after the car was club was formed, that the cut-off date for vintage cars would be the 31st of December 1930, partly because they felt that after that date, there was the um, mass production of vehicles came in and the craftsmanship was a little bit lost. But from that that we also then recognise what we call uh, post-vintage thoroughbreds, which are pre-war cars that are built to the standards acceptable to the club <laughs> and its committee. Um, and our wedding is possibly still in our eligibility forms. And it is essentially cars that have the craftsmanship yeah. of the 30s cars that have been built later. And then after post-vintage thoroughbreds, you get into classics. And even I don't know what the definition of a classic is this day. I think I think classic these days is very subjective because um, I think, you know, there's lots of people who would say a Mark GT1 is, is a classic car and lots of people who would just say it's old. Um, well, I mean, I, I, some, of, some of the shows I commentate at, I increased the class it for them. Um, the final class I commentate on and judge is 1990 to 2005. Reason, it allows a lot of young owners to bring in what they consider old cars. What is alarming is somebody brings in a Peugeot 205 GTI and I'm stood still there thinking I was on the launch of that. <laughs> Disconcerting occasionally, isn't it, when a classic car is younger than you are? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly at my age it is, anyway. I start to feel old these days. Uh, but, I mean, I think that's one of the wonderful things about the car community, wiser than the Vintage Sports Car Club, is really, it, it is the passion for cars. And a lot of us, you know, a lot of people their cars, classic cars, some of the cars that they grew up with and, and of course now that moves on and on and on and there's there's still an interest in cars for those people but the fact that they can also have an interest in vintage cars which were built long before they were even thought of, let alone born, is a wonderful wonderful thing and something that we need to, to tap into and, and we do quite successfully through our, our youth section um, who are wonderfully engaged with the cars and so the engineering side is something that really turns them on if you like because they can get their hands dirty but really it's just that passion for cars no matter what but yeah when a classic car is younger than you are it really is quite scary <laughs> now the one thing the bscc do and this is where you, this is where you appear the club appears to bring in younger cars is a lot of your competitions because you run competitive competitive events at various circuits throughout the country where you cater for like 1950s sports racing cars formula 500 and the little Formula Juniors and the uh, 
like the pre-61 Grand Prix single sieges. So not every event or class in the VSCC is for old, old cars. There's some newer old cars around the place. There are some newer old cars around the place. I mean, calling a pre-61 a new old car sounds <laughs> a little bit disingenuous, doesn't it? But it is to us. And yeah, Mallory Park, which we have on the 23rd of August, we have a pre-61 um, racing car race within that. And we also have the Formula Juniors with us there. Unfortunately, the 500s couldn't make it out with us because I think they're at Zamfort a week after or two weeks after. And uh, I don't know how many 500 drivers you know. Love Lovely, lovely bunch, but the cars do have a habit of breaking down occasionally, so yes. we wouldn't we wouldn't want them to all break with us at Mallory and then not be able to go on their big foreign trip. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they are they're fantastic to watch as well, really. The five hundreds, absolutely amazing. I must admit, I do I do enjoy watching them off. It's almost like watching motorbike racing in some ways with them all buzzing around. Um, but brilliant, brilliant fun, and we welcome them at quite a lot of our events as well. Um, and we do occasionally have much more modern stuff. I mean, we've had, I think it was Pembrey we were at, where we had the Welsh saloon cars there. Um, in our old Sea Red days, we had Ferrari and, and Maserati Shell Challenge there. So we're always conscious of, of when we do our race meetings that we put things on that appeal to everyone. And if, if there's a modern formula, if you like, that's going to appeal to people, then we try and include it where we can. Obviously, we need to put races on that suit our members um, and make sure there's plenty of opportunity for them. But occasionally, we'll put something interesting in the mix as well. Now, the interesting thing about the Vintage Sports Car Club is you don't actually have to own a vintage car to be a member of it. Absolutely not. Um, no, we do have several membership classes which seem hideously um, complicated occasionally but essentially we have um, driving member which is a vintage member and associate member. Associate member you don't have to have a car to have. Frankly if you enjoy the cars we will welcome you with open arms. We have all sorts of social events. We have a brilliant marshalling fraternity many of whom are, are members as well so you absolutely don't need to have a vintage car to take part. There's a few of our events that you can take part in without vintage cars anyway um the the pom pomeroy trophy that we have at silverstone in february each year uh, where it's been known to snow and rain <laughs> and storm dennis this year which was wonderfully uh, entertaining and and i think i have to say thank you to our hardy band of marshals that stood out in that all day because it was dreadful weather um but at the pom as long as you have a race license we welcome all sorts of cars there it's one of the few occasions that you'll see a replica gt40 and a band of bmws that have been bought off ebay and done up for 500 quid alongside <laughs> and a fraser national mall you know where where are you gonna else are you gonna see that other than our event at prescott last weekend where we had something similar and it was absolutely brilliant it really it's wonderful seeing the juxtaposition of the old and the new machinery it really is but yeah members do not have to have a car by any stretch of the imagination there's all sorts of social events that we do that people don't need cars for and frankly if you enjoy old cars and you like being involved with old cars then we will welcome anyone with open arms 
Now, you mentioned Prescott. I saw it flagged up on my social media. I think somebody took a Volkswagen T35 van up, didn't they? Because you've turned, because of the plague, you've turned a lot of your events into, like, social outings with the chance to just drive your car up the hill if you wish to. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, we decided that instead of our massive Prescott event that we normally have the first full weekend of August, we couldn't have spectators. Um, Bugatti Owners Club, who own the venue and, and we work very closely with, um, hadn't had any competitive events. We didn't feel running a competitive event this early in the season, given everything that was going on. So we decided to offer our members a, a track day. So it was untimed. Um, bring your car along, take numerous runs up the hill we had a little driving school element with james baxter there who not only is very well known for driving vintage cars but also has been taking part in various hill climbs and scored some british hill climb championship points last year which he did very well today um so he was there offering some advice and we had a a great mix of cars we had the, the, the Mark One GTI. We had uh, a 1930s Riley van that was something written. We had. Oh, you mean uh, my you mean uh, my friend uh, Mr. John Lomas from Blue Diamond Riley Services, who Mr. Is, John Lomas, who, uh, who himself Lomas. who himself is a past guest on this show. He was indeed, and yes, he uh, he does not have a speed license. So whilst he's been very supportive of the club, he hasn't competed in any way before. And he came down from one of his runs, came to find me in the president in the paddock, and said, "It's brilliant. I'm going to have to get a license. Got to find something to drive, though." At which point we did say, "If he can't find a Riley to drive, there's something gone wrong somewhere." I was going to say, as a workshop full of eligible cars, and I should imagine non-eligible cars. He's all sorts knocking about him. Quite a few, yes. But it, I mean, it was an absolutely wonderful day. With, as I said, the juxtaposition of the machinery was absolutely brilliant because we had we had three Alfa Romeos, we had a beautiful Jaguar XK140, uh, we had blue diamond van there which uh, i think felt a little bit like a boat in some of the corners by the sounds of it um and austin sevens you know we had the full range of vintage stuff we had a uh, andy corley there was in his pom bmw that he normally saves for the pomeroy trophy in february uh we had another member there in his rally car and it was and we had someone in a, a mercedes, modern mercedes-benz as well i think it was and they all had massive smiles on their face and they had a fun day and that really was what the club is all about. It's not about whether you were in the right car or not. It was about coming together, lots of people who were like-minded. We had 75 entrants on the day and just having fun in the cars, having a chance to go up the hill, chance to learn a bit if you wanted to learn, you didn't have to, um, a chance to try some different lines if you were a serious competitor, which some of our very serious hill climb competitors tried several times, uh, or just actually go up and enjoy it because you had a chance to go up the famous Prescott hill climb. And everyone took something different from it and everyone enjoyed it and it was just wonderful to be back out there with lots of people having fun with cars regardless of what the cars were it was just good fun i mean with what's happening with the plague and you you're now putting days like this on wouldn't this be something that you and the vscc will consider carrying on into the future not just competitive days but days where people can just shall we say turn up and enjoy themselves a little bit 
absolutely. I mean, we've been talking for quite a while within the committee and within the club over the last few years about how we can do more social things for our members generally anyway. And the format on Saturday was obviously forced upon us slightly. It's not what we would have normally done. And, and the plague, as you put it, changed, forced our hands a little. But actually having been there and seeing how much people enjoyed it, it was something we would have considered anyway, but now I think we will definitely be looking at doing that in the future. Not necessarily at the same venue, we might try a few different venues so we can reach out to our members in the north of England who always have to travel to come to an event. So, you know, we might see if we can do something similar at Harewood or we might even venture north of the border into Scotland if we're feeling brave. Um, <laughs> I like how you mentioned the north. It's not that bad up here, you know. No, no, it's not that bad at all. I have some very fond memories of living up north. So, uh, but you know, we are conscious that a lot of our events do fall in highly populated areas. So we're very much in the Midlands with a lot of our events. So if we have a chance to put a social event on that people can enjoy and we can actually do it at a venue we wouldn't normally go to and people can just turn up and meet other members and have fun with their cars, that is actually what the club is all about so absolutely we will be exploring ways of doing that in the future now whilst we've been talking about vintage sports car club events uh how did how did you get into all this because i mean you have got to have an interest in cars to do it because unlike a lot of certain clubs whereby the secretary just it's just a job the vscc wouldn't really want to take somebody on to just fill a job you have got to have a background in all this yes absolutely i mean it's it, it's definitely not just a job <laughs> that's I, I i mean i knew that anyway but i'm certainly discovering that as we go along in the current climate uh but personally uh i've been involved in most sport in some way or the other for longer than i care to remember i mean i've been going to prescott since i was crawling i think along to the vintage vintage meeting there um i grew up in lincolnshire very close to cadwell park my grandfather had a 1920 uh, cycle car yeah uh, they they had come from gloucestershire originally and moved over to lincolnshire so they did quite a lot of uh, vintage sports car events and midland automobile club events at shelsley and if we weren't at one or the other of those we were doing something at cadwell park um so by the time i was eight years old i was hanging around the periphery of the assembly area which you wouldn't be allowed to do in these days but back then you could um and i gradually got more and more involved in assembly area marshalling um, paddock marshalling at hill climbs and then i graduated i think i was 12 when i first started running grid sheets for the vintage sports car club so what we used to do when when i say running grid sheets what used to happen is someone would produce the grid sheet for the race and it has to be distributed to various areas across the circuit which can be quite far apart so they thought it was a really good idea to get a child to do it because we had lots of energy <laughs> so we'd get the grid sheet from race control and you would take it to the various floors in race control and then you take it to the the start line team so they've got it and you take it to the assembly team so they've got it and then you go and find the timekeepers if they weren't in race control and the handicappers might be somewhere else and then you'd go off to the media center and leave it there and by the time you'd done that the next one was ready and it all started again um, <laughs> so i did that for a, a few years and then i went back to to running assembly areas and, and paddock i've not done much trackside marshalling myself not a not a speed 
speed events I have done in, in trialling. And again, when I was a teenager, I used to help my grandfather set up pre-war Austin 7 club trials in Lincolnshire. And I've done quite a lot um, in the background on trials with the VSCC as well. So it's it's been ingrained in me from a very, very young age. Uh, and I'm trying to do the same with my daughter. I've had her selling programmes at Silverstone out the back of the Vauxhall one year. Uh, she's also helped... Uh, direct when we were uh, at the anniversary events at Peterborough a few years ago. She was happily directing traffic uh, and apparently she takes after her mother as well because she's very bossy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I don't think I ever had a choice to be honest. I I was grown up in it and I've been born into it and I fell in love with it and I've never looked back. And then I, I had Cabell Park as well, where I got involved with some of the more modern machinery, which I also enjoyed. I still think one of my favourite races is watching two CVs around Cabell Park, because they were an entertaining bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so you've never actually... Have you competed yourself? I have competed. I've never competed in race and um, speed events, but I do do... I've competed in trials quite a few times. I've done quite a few driving tests. Uh, and I have done a tour as well. So I, I do do the, the other things. My partner um, is involved with 60 sports cars as well as vintage machinery. And he has a race line since he's competed um, quite a lot in the past. Not so much since we've, we've had a child because one of us, if I'm marshalling, he had to do the child care. So he did a little bit less racing from then. He still does compete occasionally, either with the VSCC or with the Historic Sports Car Club in some of their races in either the Chevron or the Alva that we have sitting in the garage at home as well. Not ours, I hasten to add. They are family cars. <laughs> <laughs> now, the one thing we, you, that's been mentioned on quite a few times, and just, just back then, trials. I mean, trials were, and they are still in the VSCC calendar, a major, a major thing. Trials were, in many ways, were how manufacturers back in the 20s and 30s sold their cars because it's to use Enzo's uh, famous uh, motto win on Sunday sell on Monday and I mean what exactly is a trial it's having fun in the mud (laughs) (laughs) Um, so a trial we run them between Right, sorry about that, folks. If you wonder what happened there, Tanya's phone cut off. But we were we were discussing trials. We were, indeed, yes. We were discussing trials. So the club in normal years would run trials from October to April. Uh, we normally run seven trials at the moment. And essentially, we find either some very generous landowners let us use land or occasionally we use forestry commission land and we it is a challenge of a car against a very muddy steep hill in most cases to see how far you can get up Uh, and it it really is as simple as that in many ways you start at zero at the start if you clear the hill you score 25 points in most cases we have the occasional oddity that, that changes the scoring and the trick is to get as far up the hill as you can so you have a driver in a two-seater you have your bouncer next to you in the front seat we have quite a few of our long base four-seater cars take pace so you might well see a, a, a very smart Vauxhall 3098 full of slightly rotund uh, middle-aged men in some cases and what they have to do the bouncers 
as you lose traction, they have to bounce up and down to help you gain traction and get further up the hill. And it's it's a wonderful sight to watch. It sounds like absolute madness. It probably is absolute madness. <laughs> but there isn't anyone that will go away from one of those events, again, without a smile on the face. You will be wet. You will be cold. You may well be snowed on. Um, you will be absolutely covered in mud. You will, you'll look like the abominable snowman but in mud uh, and you will have an absolutely fantastic time and in normal times we all descend on normally a public house at the end of the event and have a beer and, and work out where it's all gone wrong and all gone gone right for the various people and it's a wonderful social occasion as well Unfortunately, our Welsh trial this year has been cancelled for, for obvious plague reasons uh, but normally we would descend on um, Prestine uh, in October, on the second weekend of October, and it is, to my day, to this day, one of my favourite places to be. So we run the trial over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and Saturday night, everyone comes together in Prestine High Street, Prestine people totally welcoming to us, completely accommodating of these hundred cars and several hundred people descending on them covered in mud drinking all their beer eating all their takeaway <laughs> taking all the local b&bs up and they come out and they take pictures of the cars alongside us and they come and talk to us and they they're so welcoming to us it's such a shame we can't go this year but we will be back in future years and it's it's just such a wonderful social occasion uh, the Radnorshire hotel in, in Prestine closed recently and obviously because we weren't able to base ourselves around the pub they actually opened up the garage for us um, and made sure that we could still come along and had a, a focal point to all gather around and the passion from the locals who have nothing to do with vintage cars making sure that the event still happened was amazing to see and the atmosphere at a trial it is wonderfully social and we all have, as I said, we're all completely mad to do it no one can, I can't understand why I want to get up at six o'clock on a cold winter's day to go out and get even colder and wetter and muddier. But apparently I do, and I still find it fun. <laughs> now, but these trials are all, I mean, there's a Hereford trial, there's the Lakeland trial. So these trials are dotted about the country, aren't they? They are. So we have the Exmoor um, down south, we have the lakes up north. Uh, we have the Cotswolds, we have the Herefordshire, we have the John Harris in Derbyshire, we have the Welsh, and then it is one of the rare occasions where we do venture over the border and we go up to Scotland for the Scottish trial, which closes our season as well. Uh, so they are they are all around out the place. We've all we've had a long history of having them scattered around. I mean, we've had Wessex trials in the past, uh, all those sorts of things, and, and we get. We get some beautiful scenery when we go out there because we go to all these these lovely places that are dotted around the country. Uh, so there is there's nearly always one relatively close by for someone if they want to come along and see what it's all about. And you still use on a lot of them the a lot of like the original hills and little roads if they still exist, don't you? We do. I mean, we have a long history of, of hills on each of our trials. So, and many, many people will will say with the Lakeland trial, um, the uh, the quarry going up there. A harness to um, pass. Yes, thank you. It's one of those brain frayed moments, <laughs> you know. But there, you know, with the Welsh certain um, hills that we use in the forest there 
we've used for for donkeys years i mean the welsh first happened in what 1939 so it's it's been in the calendar for a long time there's a lot of history there and a lot of the hills that we do go back to time and time again and we've got some wonderful landowners that we work with who welcome us year after year after year uh, a lot of history in the club with trials and actually our first competitive event i think ever was a trial in in the chilterns um the year after the club was formed so if somebody wants to get involved in any way shape or form be it as an owner of a vintage car or a competitor or if they want to shall we say become involved with the trials and become ballast i mean how do they go about it is it just go on the website and away you go and the easiest thing is to go on the website. So if you go to www.vscc.co.uk, uh, we do have a website there. We have a section of the website which is about us, where they can read all about the history of the club. Uh, there's questions and help on there about all aspects of the club, whether it's eligibility, membership. Uh, we have a wonderful forum for members that we have on there with a brilliant technical section for advice, which, as you can imagine, a lot of members do find quite useful. Um, and there's the join-in section there, which tells you about the club. Some of the things we do, I mean, in a normal year, we would run something like 40 to 50 events. So there really is something for everyone in that. So there's information about becoming a marshal. There's information about coming along as a spectator. We have our local pub meetings, which are called Natter and Noggins as well, which people are welcome to come along to. And you can join there online. Or they can actually give us a call here in the office if they wanted to find out anything. Um, at this time of year, we normally start doing join now and you'll get your membership next year free of charge for a new member. Right. So if they ever want it, if they do want to call in and discuss that, then I can give you a telephone number. Feel free, yes. Yeah, so the telephone number if you wanted to call the office, which obviously is 945 Monday to Friday, but some of us are working from home, so bear with us if you don't get an answer straight away. It's 01608 644 treble seven um so that's 01608 644 we're always happy to talk to people because as you can imagine we're more than happy to talk about cars in general because <laughs> even the staff or most of them have got some form of, of vintage passion in their life so they're quite happy to chat away um and we're more than happy to talk to people on the phone but yes absolutely everything on the website we have our facebook page as well so if you search uh, vintage sports car club on facebook instagram or twitter we're on there that will link back to the the website as well and you can follow us on there for updates see some of our pictures from prescott this last weekend and, and see what we're planning for mallory in the next fortnight as well tanya brown Thank you very much for joining me on the Backseat Drive Radio Show. Thank you for explaining about the Vintage Sports Car Club, because a lot of people, it's like we said, it's not so much a close shop to certain people, but they don't, they just don't understand vintage cars. And as you said, like the, the club at times has a, shall we say, an unusual, not reputation, but it's looked upon as a bit strange at times. Why do I want to be associated with uh, 6,000 people who are all automotively odd? But, <laughs> We're automotively odd. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, Tanya Brown, thank you very much and thanks ever so much for joining me here on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Thank you.